You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you're a business owner, it can sometimes feel like the odds are stacked against you. But QuickBooks knows you never back down. That's why they're always in your corner, making it easier for you to manage your business so you have time to take care of details that matter most. No matter what your version of success is, QuickBooks can give you the smarter business tools to get you there. QuickBooks backing you. Learn more at quickbooks.com. That's quickbooks.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. Welcome to Pivot 2019. This week, Scott Galloway is out, and my friend John Lovett from Crooked Media is here. Hello, John. Hello, Kara. You're stepping into the co-host chair. John hosts a number of his own fantastic podcasts, including Pod Save America and... Love it or leave it. Exactly. And we're here at their headquarters in Los Angeles um, at the Crooked Media headquarters, and I'm having a great time, and I appreciate you doing this for me. Thanks for... Uh, I, look, people... Clamor for you and for, I for us to because do we have such together. a spark, right? We have it's, such a spark. Uh, electric. It's electric right now. You don't know what's going on in the studio right now. But thank you for the ultimate podcast crossover episode. So I, I sort of gave you an idea of what we do here on Pivot, but it's just exactly talking about sort of the big story shakedowns. And then we talk about predictions and some uh, you, wins and fails of the week. And I just you're so opinionated. I think you can agree with me on that one. Sure. But you will have lots of opinions. There's so much in the news now that you can discuss. Um, we're going to focus obviously on political stuff and but whatever you want to talk about. And so, sort of, let's do first the big story breakdown. So, obviously, the government shutdown for you all is that correct? I like and 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 stuff like that. And I want I want to pivot it towards tech legislation because I think it's never going to happen now because they can't even decide on lunch. Yeah. Uh, in Washington, so let's talk about that big story. The Democrats taking over the House. Nancy Pelosi was elected Speaker of the House again. Yes. Tell us where we are with this big story. So let's talk about the shutdown. Okay. Uh, you know, Donald Trump has. Over the past two years, kind of had a pattern with, mm-hmm. with whether it's with DACA and the Dreamers, the Paris Climate Accords, um, the Iran deal, now this mm-hmm. shutdown, um, several other issues. He knows instinctively that his comfort mm-hmm. with cruelty, with damage, gives him leverage. He does know right. that. However, he doesn't ever seem to have the discipline or follow through to say, okay, I will threaten to deport children who mm-hmm. did nothing wrong right. and were brought here by their parents 
to get a deal. But then when that deal is put on the table, when Democrats say, you know what, if you'll protect dreamers and come to the table in immigration, we'll, we'll give, give you, you money for border security. He walks away. Mm -hmm. It's never good enough. Uh, you know, he talks about renegotiating deals, NAFTA, right? He he threatens to pull out of NAFTA. They make some cosmetic changes to NAFTA. Mm -hmm. Now with this shutdown, he sits down in the Oval Office with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and says, I'm going to shut the government down over border security. Over the I, wall. Over the wall. Or steel over, slats. Over, the, over steel slats. I'm the one that's going to do it. You want open borders. I want the wall. Call me Mr. Shutdown. I'm King Shutdown, Shutdown Man. Mm -hmm. Government shuts down. Well, what's the plan? Because... You know, the Senate passed on a bipartisan basis by a voice vote, which basically mm -hmm. means 100 percent of the senators got behind a bipartisan deal that included much less funding for border security. Mm -hmm. He then makes this threat that Paul Ryan in one of his last acts, perfect last act for mm -hmm. him, Good goes along yeah. with it. Right. Quizzling Paul Ryan mm -hmm. goes along with this. Uh, uh, the word is fakakta. <laughs> it's a fakakta plan. <laughs> and the government has been shut down. I'm very glad that Paul Ryan left the government as a capitulating supplicant to Donald Trump mm -hmm. while the government was shut down, while the debt hit record levels, right? Every single thing Paul Ryan claims and to care about. And the stock market took a huge hit. Mm -hmm. Every single thing Paul Ryan uh, claims to have cared about and been a leader on uh, was damaged by Goodbye, his time. Paul. Goodbye, right. Don't let the door hit you. Right. You know what? Let it hit you. <laughs> on your way to the gym. <laughs> let the door hit you on the way out. We got that. Listen, I... Guns of steel, let the door hit you. For two years, in my mind, I had just been waiting for the moment where Nancy Pelosi takes the gavel from Paul Ryan's fucking hand and today it happened. So you look, so Donald Trump- Did he Trump, give it to her? No, because he's not in Congress anymore. Right, okay, Ke Kevin right. McCarthy handed it over, right. which is much less satisfying, yeah, let's just be honest yeah. about it. Who but- is, Who is that guy? Look at what Donald Trump did in the intervening time between an old Congress and a new Congress. He shut the government down over border security. He had two years of a unified Congress, couldn't get this kind of thing through. Nancy Pelosi just took the gavel. Did it get easier to get your money? Of course not. Of mm -hmm. course not. Especially because we know that the Senate already passed a bipartisan bill that the mm -hmm. House can now pass a version of. So he basically does what he does, what Donald Trump does, which, which is he shoots the hostage. Mm -hmm. Now the hostage is lying on the ground bleeding. He doesn't have a plan uh, for how to get his ransom. So mm -hmm. that's where we are right now. I don't think anyone really knows how it's going to shake out. Donald Trump is dug in, but— So what's going to happen? What's, what is from you guys? You guys talk about this a lot on Pods of America and Love It or Leave It. What, what's going to happen then? I don't know. I don't have a prediction. Uh, what has happened over the past few years is there's a lot of bluster around shutdowns, around mm -hmm. shutdowns going on forever, mm -hmm. and how you'll be blamed and I won't be blamed. But Donald Trump went into this shutdown taking the blame for it. Mm -hmm. And in the end— uh, they grow, you know, in the end, they choose to give in in some way. Right. Donald Trump, right. it's, it's a right. it's a hard thing to know how this actually shakes out, what kind of fig leaf Donald Trump will claim in order to reopen the government. I don't really know. Um, but it certainly doesn't end with Nancy Pelosi's, one of her first acts as a new Democratic speaker, giving Donald Trump his $5 billion, unless right. there's some new big deal on immigration, which, again, feels right. very unlikely because, again, that deal was killed right. by Donald right. Trump before. So they can't do— Anything. So one of the things that we've been talking about a lot this year on Pivot is the idea of tech legislation, privacy yeah. legislation, any legislation, put, you know, uh, making these giant platforms more accountable. That seems impossible at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, look, they can't seem to agree on basic right. functioning of the government. Mm -hmm. There's not a bipartisan basis for that legislation right mm -hmm. now. Republicans control the Senate. There are some, even Democratic senators are being honest, not very many of them have taken up the mantle. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's something Senator that- Warner. Like, Warner, of course, has right. been a leader about this and has said interesting things about it. But even he has been, you know, he has taken his time in reaching the point of saying that these mm -hmm. companies need more regulation. Mm -hmm. People like Brian Schatz, who are really smart 
messengers and really smart about thinking through what the next mm-hmm. democratic position should mm-hmm. be have been ta- has been talking about this more. But ultimately, the place that I'm interested in this debate taking place is the 2020 field right. and how this plays out amongst Democrats, because right. not only is a lot of this dependent on electing a Democratic president, especially when we don't have control of the Senate, uh, that is also, I think, where a lot of the most important policy debates move forward is in mm-hmm. Democratic primaries. That's what mm-hmm. we saw in healthcare. I think this time that's what we'll see on tech, on monopoly, like on that. That I think. Do you is think the, that's going to be a big issue or has tech kind of lo- gotten out of, gotten away from paying the price for this? Because I had talked to Nancy Pelosi and she had talked about this Internet Bill of Rights and, you know, they're much, Democrats now are much tougher on tech, right? They've shifted. They were the best friends of tech and then they moved away from it. Yeah, I think it's a really good question. I think this is one of those places where you see the cost of Democratic leadership, congressional leadership generally being older. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not as fluent in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, I also think it's taking time for this idea to kind of move through the system. I, I think if you were to ask a bunch of Democrats off the record, like, do you think these companies should be regulated? They'd mm-hmm. all say yes. How many of them want to make it happen? Happen. How many of them want to really devote their resources and attention to it? Mm-hmm. It's not been... When there's so many other things. When there's so many other things. I mean, you look at what animates Democratic voters. You look at what animates um, Democratic politicians. Mm-hmm. It's it's healthcare. It's increasingly climate. Mm-hmm. Um, it is wages and economic issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, um, issues around... Uh, reproductive freedom and criminal justice reform and uh, inequality. But regulating Mark Zuckerberg right now, it does feel like a lot of the the the, the pattern. Regulating Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> sounds like terrible. Sounds like the name of your book. Yes. The uh, the uh, the there's a lot of press releases and mm-hmm. hand wringing, but the, you don't really hear a big coherent right. co- case for. No. Here's what the I future agree. of regulation it's happen on these in, issues. In the states like right. Gavin Newsom and others, yeah. like California and places, like, even yeah. even if it does happen, because there's so many other issues. Yeah, I also think it's tied into a larger, much harder conversation around corporate power generally mm-hmm. and corporate power inside of the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. and I think that's partly why I've looked to the 2020 field as a place to have this debate. Is I think. The need to rein in Facebook, the need to uh, rein in the monopolistic power that a lot mm-hmm. of these companies have is going to be part of a larger conversation about the influence of money in politics, right. about the co- co- uh, concentration of wealth, about corporate consolidation. And, you know, Elizabeth Warren, made, is part. that's part of her yeah, plan. Yeah, she just, no, I was going to ask about that, enters the presidential race. Yeah, she enters the presidential race. She's, you know, Nancy Pelosi, even in her speech today, uh, be taking the speakership, talked about uh, the concentration of wealth. And so I think that's going to be, I hope. And guess where the wealth is, yeah. Yeah. Right. And, I, and I hope one of the big, I think corporate power and corporate concentration, as it applies to tech companies, as it applies to Amazon, as it applies to banks, as it applies to telecom, as it applies to all these different industries, is to me the sleeper issue. It's not that it's not being talked about, mm-hmm. but it is to me the place where Demo- Democrats can really say, this is now not a part of our program, but a centerpiece of how we talk about. Will these they issues. turn on tech? I mean, they seem to be. Cory Booker does. You know, some some of them really are starting to beyond. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily about turning on tech. Mm-hmm. I think it's about saying, well, hold on a second. You know, you guys have been. Uh, you guys have been so, the, the tech companies have been so unwilling to even define what they are, mm-hmm. to avoid the conversation about where they fit. And their power. They've been, they're reluctant to talk about it, while at the same time exploiting it, building businesses off it, building great wealth off of it. So I don't think it's about turning on tech. I think what you will see is what you always see around these issues. I think you will see 
some Democrats still adhere to a kind of 90s way of talking mm-hmm. about these issues that mm-hmm. everybody can win, Absolutely. then I think you will see uh, some further to the left be more sh- more uh, strident or at least more um, zero sum. In right. These Let's get rid of these powers. But, you know, we have to attack these. These should be break in, broken up. These should be heavily regulated. They're greedy. They're mm-hmm. co- corrupting our democracy, all of which I think has a lot of truth to it. And then I think you will see what happens with Democratic politicians as you will <laughs> – see a more moderate center-left position that becomes the kind of cohesive cohesive eh? position right. that says it's not about, you know, you, you will see, like, Amazon has done a lot of good for people, right? Mm-hmm. They'll say that. They'll say, right. this is what their message right. will be. Like, like I consumer harm yeah. problem is right. the issue, right? Right. The harm and saying, like, can we have a system in which these companies are able to innovate and thrive mm-hmm. and lead the world, right, as a, uh, one of America's most important and powerful sectors mm-hmm. while preventing some of the consequences of their worst behavior? And I think right. that is a very reasonable question. And I think that, to me, is where the debate will ultimately They also lands. will have enormous power, like Netflix taking down the episode about Saudi Arabia, about journalist uh, Jamal Khashoggi. Khashoggi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are some of the hardest— They just these, did that. They like, just did it. But these yeah. are some of the hardest questions we mm-hmm. face as a culture, right? Right. The, you know, tech, it's it, even dividing it into a tech conversation, right? You know, Netflix is going to take a lot of heat for this, but companies like Warner Brothers are deciding whether or not to include scenes in films based on what a Chinese censor would say. Right. Well, okay, so now Chinese censors are dictating what what appears in America. Right. You know, I, there. This is a very specific example. What is that? There is a uh, uh, um, Martin Scorsese mm-hmm. made a movie about Tibet. Mm-hmm. You can't get it. Right. Because. And that's an old problem, right? We've been dealing with right. censorship around multimedia, about, about, about multinational companies and the content they create for a very long time. This is just a new manifestation of it, mm-hmm. and it's more important now, in part because these companies are so much bigger, so much, so much, um, uh, have have so much more control pervasive. over it. They're pervasive, pervasive. right? Uh, so it becomes a big conversation, but it's a conversation we've had for a very long time. Right, but Kundun. they are, you know, Kundun, that's, that's right. Yeah, but, but you know, I, as I've written, it's, it's, they've weaponized and amplified it in a way that is way beyond yes. anything else. Well, they, they, um, you know, I think, I think the, it's very hard, you know, you've, I've watched you talk to Mark Zuckerberg and try desperately to get him to lower, <laughs> lower the fucking shield <laughs> That uh, he's well, built. Data is hard to reprogram data. It's but just, go ahead. I mean, just three inches of just solid <laughs> concrete between him <laughs> and you. But 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 as you chip chip chip, I think the thing that is true is they did not think enough about downside risk. Right. They did Never. Not th- ever. Never. No. no. They connecting people is good. Therefore, connecting people is good. And well, guess what? People are people. Right. And yeah. some of them are fucking terrible. Yeah. I couldn't get him to answer on no. the damages. You couldn't even get him to talk about how how he feels about it. No, I couldn't. Six times. Look. I just try to get him to fire Here's himself. The they're fundamental. They're, they're, you know, Upton Sinclair, you can't convince somebody of something. Their livelihood depends mm-hmm. on not believing. If there was... <laughs> it was so high-minded, John. Pretty Upton good. Sinclair? Upton on Sinclair. The, go ahead. It's go one ahead. of my favorite lines because okay. there are many conclusions that Facebook can reach. Mm-hmm. The one conclusion it can't reach is that it's doing more harm than good. Right. It's not possible. Right. right. Every tech company should have a red button somewhere in the headquarters where if they realize that they've caused more societal harm than they expected and done more harm than good, they press the button and the company dissolves instantly. <laughs> That's it. Just a big red button in the center of the headquarters. You need two keys to unlock it, maybe a code, maybe two th- two factor, you know, maybe one of those UB keys, right? Just to unlock the fucking thing. But then push comes to shove. You know what? Guys, it's, it's mostly Nazis now. Push yeah. the button. Yeah, yeah, it's mostly Nazis. 
We looked, we did, we ran, we crunched the numbers, and it's uh, it's robots and Nazis, it's Nazis press the button. That is a societal we're good. To that. we're That's getting, a good. That's a good. That is a good. You know, it's one of the things I said is we have to, like, I've said this recently a lot, is um, we have to, they should imagine every product they make as an episode of Black Mirror. What's sure. the word? Except non, not San Junipero, that one, because that's a nice mm-hmm. one, but all the bad ones. And then they, then they shouldn't make it if they can think of a really good episode. Right. Because, right. It, you know, our so, so far our track record is Black Mirror is just the news from four years from now. Well, exactly. All right. John, red button. I love this idea. We're here with John Lovett. We're at the, <laughs> the, the headquarters of Crooked Media. And we're loosening up. We're loosening up. We're, having, we're starting to drink and stuff like that. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but stay with us. We're going to go into wins and fails of the week um, when we get back with John Lovett. In the next advertiser segment brought to you by QuickBooks, we'll hear from a business owner who turned his side hustle into a full-time career. 78% of small businesses in the U.S. have a workforce of one. But it's not easy turning your skills, your passion, yourself into a business. Here's the story of one guy, Nat, who never backed down and turned his side hustle into his full-time gig. Nat's story is brought to you by QuickBooks. My name is Nat. I teach yoga and I share music for a living. The job I had right before making this leap into teaching was working for a large tech company. I was leading a retreat over in Hawaii and I think it just clicked. I can do this for a living. There were fears about where I'm at with that career. You know, if I step out now, will I be able to get back in? You know, those moments of fear, I had to just be honest with them and say, I trust this. I mean, it's a total trip to turn yourself into a business. And you have to be confident enough to say, here's who I am and here's what I offer. I don't want to get into the mindset of, oh, my God, my money, my money. So I use smarter business tools to really kind of check my cash flow and also for tax preparation. That gives me the comfort I need. It's a reminder for me every single time I teach that this life is so short and you got to go out there and just do it. you got to live it up. QuickBooks knows you never back down. That's why they're in your corner with smarter business tools. QuickBooks, backing you. Learn more at quickbooks.com. This has been Advertiser Content. Thanks to the sponsor of our show, QuickBooks, for Nat's story. Learn more at quickbooks.com. That's quickbooks.com. Now back to the show. How did I read those, John? How did that? Great. Did I do great? Was there anything I should emphasize more? QuickBooks. I I think you could have been a. I think you could have brought a little more heart to it. Let's (laughs) just be honest. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think you're gonna. You know, I mean, look, I don't know if you saw Roma. I don't yeah. think you're going to. I saw be, Roma. So I think she did a better job in her performance than you did oh, in yours. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank but you. She was, but she was transcendent. She's transcendent. You were fine. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not up to Roma standards. You're not. Oh, man. Man, that was a good movie, wasn't it? Why didn't they pick up the dog poop? I just Why didn't they pick why up, didn't the, they dog pick up the dog just poop? Just pick it up. I mean, seriously. I was like, just pick it up. It's so funny that that's your takeaway from it, that I film. literally got obsessed with it. It was crazy. It was just making me up. crazy. Well, and then they drove over it. I'm like, what are you doing? Stepped in it, drove Stepped over it. It's a metaphor. Probably. I know, exactly. Anyway, in any case, <laughs> let's move on. So we have we have uh, a segment that we're going to we're gonna talk about uh, some some wins and fails of the week. And, and one of them, to me, was the women in India forming the 385-mile human chain for gender equality. Uh, and then there was a fail that I thought men accused of sexual harassment uh, trying to make comebacks like Louis C.K. and Kevin Spacey making some creepy attempts to get behind the microphone. Um, uh, what do you think? So give me some of your wins and fails. Of this so I would week. say, I, look, I think a, 
I think Nancy Pelosi becoming Speaker of the House is one of the most important wins mm-hmm. that we will have. Oh, of course, Nancy Pelosi. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Explain. Not, not just because. So, look, before this election, I'm a partisan, but I believe that Democrats winning the House was one of the most important uh one of the most important steps we could take as a country to protect ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And the cost of losing, I think, would have been cataclysmic. So mm-hmm. we avoided a truly horrific outcome in which people felt really dispirited. And we would have learned something quite horrific, which is uh, there wasn't a price for mm-hmm. Donald Trump's terrible behavior or Paul Ryan's capitulation to him. So that in and of itself was valuable. But, you know, Nancy Pelosi, I think the same thing about Elizabeth Warren. Nancy Pelosi, if she were a man, Mm-hmm. She would be considered one of the great leaders mm-hmm. in modern political history. This is correct. And and I think I like she how you're w- knitting this together. And I, yeah, and I think she would be, and I think she will be. Mm-hmm. And I think increasingly she is, in part because people are pointing this out. Mm-hmm. That saying that, you know, Paul Ryan was a young gun, intellectual leader, cover of magazines, mm-hmm. even though it was mostly a fraud. Nancy Pelosi, meanwhile, grinding away for decades, mm-hmm. retakes the speakership, and then uh and, by the way, one of the most successful speakers. I mean, those first two years of the Obama mm-hmm. administration are one of the most productive legislative periods in modern history, right? Rivaling, not rivaling, uh, 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 on, you know, in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the pantheon of periods of time of progress that mm-hmm. with FDR mm-hmm. and Lyndon Johnson of a lot of things getting done in a period of great crisis. Now she retakes that gavel at a time of incredible importance in which we need Democrats to stick together. We need a strong leader, and we have that. I think that's right. really, really important. Um, I would say one of the big fails of this week has been this conversation around likability mm-hmm. around Elizabeth Warren. Right. Uh, and, you know, you've seen— Echoing the old Hillary Clinton one. Right. And, and, and as people have pointed out, a lot of people who are currently saying uh, Elizabeth Warren is unlikable said that she was the likable alternative to Hillary Clinton. Isn't it amazing how unlikable a woman becomes right. when right. she decides to go for the, the right. big prize? Right. But, but in the same way that Nancy Pelosi isn't giving the credit she's due, to me, some, it's— it's easy to have a conversation about how the term likability is sexist, and it is. Mm-hmm. It's easy to say that's wrong. But mm-hmm. what's harder to talk about is what's missing. Right. And Elizabeth Warren, you know, I watched her announcement video, and it is excellent. It is also what she has been talking about for Ever. her entire career. Mm-hmm. You know, before she was in the uh, um, in the Senate, she was a professor. She is the one who came up with this idea for a Consumer Financial Protection Bureau mm-hmm. uh, that originally she was going to lead but couldn't get right. confirmed right. for it. Mm-hmm. But she has been the—she, I think, more than anyone else you could point to and say, this is the intellectual leader of democratic politics. And she doesn't get called that. If she were a man, she would right now be the natural frontrunner, mm-hmm. the unalloyed frontrunner in democratic politics. She has been the intellectual leader. She is a charismatic politician. She's incredibly smart in how she talks about issues. She has been contis- consistent. She's been ahead of the curve in terms of talking about things like corporate power, talking about uh, uh, what's been happening to the middle class. So— Interesting. She's sort of like that character on Homeland, who was the president, who became. You know what I mean? She has sort of. She rubs people the wrong way. It's interesting. I don't watch soap operas because okay, it's enjoyable. I like Claire Danes, and she can do anything she wants. Um, in any case, what do you watch? I watch all kinds of things. What, like, what's your favorite show? Right? Listen, I enjoyed Homecoming. I'm watching the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Ah, yes, that's marvelous, isn't it? It's it's a delight. It's delightful. It's a delight. It's a delight. All right, I'm going to get back to Elizabeth Warren. We had her at the Code Conference several years ago. And I have never gotten such negative feedback from men in my life. I have to tell you, she was the, it was fascinating. It was as if she went on stage and, like, threw shit at them. Like, it was amazing. It was sort of, like, way outsized her appearance. And it was really interesting to me. It, what do you think that is? I have no idea, but it was remarkable. It was remar- I thought she was quite good and, and very articulate about stuff. I don't know. Was there her shoes? I don't know what bothered them. Like, it was 
something got under them and worked their last nerve with her. And it was really, it was sort of like, whoa, that was fascinating. Yeah. I think she was a lady. I think she was a lady. I don't, yeah. and she's also, she's got, she's got, a, she's got opinions. She's got a lady with opinions. I think that's really what it was. And strong unabashedly. opinions. Unabashedly. And she, she tisk tisked them for sure. Like about wealth and power, the same things your corporate wealth and power. And rich people don't like being told they're awful, who think they're great. Right. And they certainly don't, <laughs> coming from someone who's not going to preface it by saying how sorry they are to have the opinion. Right. Exactly. You know, it was interesting. I, I was really like, it was a, a real moment for me at that, at the event. Yeah. I mean, look, this is, I think a lot of defenders of Hillary Clinton's candidacy mm-hmm. make this similar argument, mm-hmm. which is, Every time you say that she was uniquely ill-suited, you fail to account for the ways in which a sexist system has spent a very long time making her ill-suited in the way that you're describing. Right. And I think that there is a lot of truth to that. You also see on the flip side, we just elected uh, 89 women mm-hmm. uh, to serve in the Congress right. as Democrats. I thought we only elected Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, <laughs> she gets I, a lot of attention. It was, it was her and no, 88 I know, I know others. That. I know, you I like know, her. I know, you know. Man, the, the I other, like her squad. Speaking like of everything. attacks, uh, just, oh man, she they gets are it. they are, they are going through her yearbook and and putting these things out there as if they're a criticism. Like she danced in college, she went by she went by a nickname, and also they're saying, oh, she didn't go to school in the Bronx. She's talks about how she took a long trip to go to right. a better school and how she right. learned from her right. home in the Bronx to this nicer neighborhood. The differences right. of wealth. She's talked about it. Right. They're, the the sexist attacks on on AOC are. Incredible. You know what's astonishing? She's really good at whacking them back. She is. She is. I literally have never seen someone as good at Twitter except for Trump, who I think is very good at Twitter. Whether you like him or not, he's good at it. She's fantastic. Her chopping onions and talking about wealth was like riveting. It's also one thing, you know, to your point, like, you know, uh, I didn't realize other women were elected, right? right? right. She is someone who has been, has for because of her own charisma, because of conservative attacks, mm-hmm. uh, because of how she kind of surprised people by winning in this mm-hmm. primary against a prominent Democrat, has been given a, a pretty outsized platform. Yeah. And she's going to use it. Right. And she's using it really well. Yeah. And to yeah. champion things she cares about. She's doing – it's such a funny thing. It's like, oh, why is AOC getting all this attention? That's not the question. Mm. She has it. And right. how is she using it? Right. She's spending it really fucking well. Right, yeah. You know, she's holding people accountable on the Green New Deal. She's uh, advocating for things she cares about. She's pushing back on right-wing attacks on her in a really sort of charming Funny and classy tra- way right, and, yeah. and, a, and an effective way. So, you know, she didn't decide to become someone who receives all this attention. A culture around her for reasons good and bad decided mm-hmm. that. But good. She's yeah. using it. Yeah, she does use it really well. It's fa- She's really fascinating. It's interesting to, we'll see how Nancy Pelosi uses the medium. She's not real good on Twitter and stuff like that. She's just not. Although she did push back on the coat thing, which was a meme online, her whole weird coat obsession, which I'm like, it's a coat. Like, she did actually talk about it, but it was interesting how that became something. Uh, yeah. Well, I think I, you know, I'm glad she had that moment with Trump. Yeah. Because. Oh, no, the moment was great. Fantastic. The coat was ridiculous. The obsession of her coat she wore outside. That became the, discu- the the talking point. She looked good in the coat. She looked good in the coat, John. But really, it's a coat. I'm not. I'm not sitting here talking. You're Schumer's the one that's bringing coat. up the coat. I'm you can't saying, stop talking about saying, it. Why no, are you obsessed because, with Nancy Pelosi's because, coat? Because they were discussing the coat versus what she did in there more than she, what Schumer did in there, and she did the same thing. That's my. She's that better was, than Schumer. Though. That's right. She was quite good, and the coat became the meme, the online meme at all. Okay. Do you? So getting to that, and then I want to go to predictions. Do you? Do you? How do you look at? social media and its impact in the next going forward? Because obviously negative for the last one and how they, the Russian thing was so a real we, bummer. We, we, run, we crunched the numbers. <laughs> right. Bad. Bad. 
Ben? I, I don't know. Uh, it's a really hard question. I don't really, we're out of the prediction business, but, you know, as individuals, I'll, as individuals, we have to choose how we use these platforms. And I think that there's two direct, there's, the, there's offense and defense. Uh, on offense, I think we each choose the kind of person we are online. And I think there's a lot of very good people who have chose to be very ugly versions of themselves online. And I like to think that the more time we spend, the more we adapt, the more we learn, the better people will do. I think that's a wishful thinking, but I do think as individuals, I think there's a lot of people out there that would look back on their tweets and posts and conduct online since they started using Twitter and say, let's say they took, let's say they took all of my tweets Mm-hmm. And made an artificial intelligent, right. an artificially intelligent version of me. Right. Mm-hmm. Would I like that person? Right. Would I like the Do version you? of me? Uh, I like you. I, I, listen, I think I'm the rare exception. I'm a Twitter delight. But I think for the most part, we would say we are more strident, meaner, less vulnerable, mm-hmm. less honest. We're more narcissistic. We're more like mm-hmm. Trump. It's why Trump's good at, at Twitter. Right. We are. We are ostensibly tough but also quite weak mm-hmm. when we were on Twitter, right? That's mm-hmm. how we are. We're extremely vulnerable to mm-hmm. injury while projecting a kind of imperviousness. Um, so I think that's the that's the offense. And then there's defense, which is how we each use it. And I, I take myself off now. I took myself off Twitter for this break. I occasionally went back on to search mm-hmm. for to search for my uh, my name, mm-hmm. you know, just to do it, look at my mentions because I'm you know I'm human and there's still blood in my veins. But but. These are tools, and I, and I don't think that they were developed maliciously. I think that there were truly good intentions behind Twitter. I think there are truly good intentions behind Facebook. However, these things have adapted to basically be to, like, pornify our minds, right? Pornify. Re- to reduce ideas mm-hmm. to, to – in the same way that, you know, McDonald's is the porn of food, Twitter mm-hmm. is the porn of information. It is oh. bite-sized – it is gives you that little that little bit makes of feedback feel makes bad, you feel dirty. It's 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 that it 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 feeds your immediate needs mm-hmm. while over time making you feel less and less wise value thing. less and less whole. What what about the impact on politics? How do you think politicians are looking at it for the next cycles? It was think, sort of wobbly during the midterms, but it yes. didn't break anything. So I think there's, again, the offensive-defensive. On offense, I would like to see more politicians just hold the phone themselves, use it the way Beto O'Rourke does, use it the way – actually, Elizabeth Warren sometimes does, where mm-hmm. you just kind of feel like you're hearing from – use it the way AOC does, mm-hmm. use it the way Adam Schiff, uh, Adam uh, Chris Schiff Murphy, and others do, where you just feel like you're hearing from yeah. them. Honestly, Chuck Grassley at mm-hmm. times just He's uses good. it. He's good. Chuck Grassley's it's, good. It's not a medium for your Conway's press good. releases. Yeah, George Conway's fantastic, fantastic on Twitter. Fantastic. Fantastic. I have a man crush on him on Twitter. I think I think that that's a mistake. I uh, know it is, but I can't help myself. He's very clever. Okay. All right. All right. We'll okay. talk about that after. Okay. We'll work through that. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Why is it a problem? You tell me right now. Because he's the font of all evil on the planet. And- I think that uh, having vaguely okay opinions while being married to Kellyanne Conway is I not see. a badge of honor. Right. Uh, okay. Fair point. So – in terms of how they use it defensively, I think that there's this big question. And the question is, how much does the Twitter conversation reflect the world? Mm-hmm. And we just don't know. Right. That we is don't a really know. good point. That is a really it certainly is not analogous. Feels like it. And, and especially because all the reporters are on it and well, all the media is on it. So and... it definitely reflects – Twitter definitely reflects the conversation reporters have. Right. It definitely reflects the conversations – Politicians. Politicians and Democratic activists and the most devoted, hardcore – Observers of politics have right wing and left wing center, all of it. That is a real conversation Mm -hmm. that except, you know, obviously not as honest, not as open, not as vulnerable, not as fair, not as nice. 
fine. That's which is by the way, you're just saying that that sucks, right? Mm -hmm. It's just an uglier version of a real conversation. Now, how does it reflect what real people think? what their experience of politics are, people out in the world who aren't devoted to politics 24-7, we just don't know. We don't know how angry most people who watch uh, CNN are about mm -hmm. various panels and how they mm -hmm. behave. We don't know right. what, that is what a, people who- I can tell you my kids don't care. I, I, and he's going to be voting in the next election, too. Well, you know what's so funny, too? Because this is like a moment of so much passion and activism and anger for good and for ill online. But to me, sometimes I think when we look back, if things get worse, if we look back at this moment, what we will actually realize was a um, an omen was actually how little people care. Mm -hmm. You know, the government shut down. There are 800,000 furloughed people, mm -hmm. uh, some of whom are not, most of whom are not getting paid by the government. And yeah, there's online outrage, but we've kind of gotten to the point where we just sort of whistle past yep, the I graveyard. Agree. I agree. So, you know, it's this it's this crazy thing where on the one hand, there's a frenetic, endless, angry, elevated, uh, 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 you know what it is? It's like on Twitter, it's the movie Gravity, but in real life, it's Roma, um, you know? Same director. Same director. Different experience. Yeah, bad movie, the first one. Okay. Okay, wait. You what like are you that? talking wait, about? You just came down from space by like a happenstance? Come on. That's your summary of, yes. that's your summary of Gravity. <laughs> okay. Came down from space by happenstance. What is your summary? The human spirit. <laughs> oh my! Using God. ingenuity and zeal so to like triumph box, over an emergency. Right? I'm a human. I, no, I do not like Bird Box. Okay. Bird Box is the greatest scam Netflix has ever built. Forty-five million. Forty-five million people. Million people. You know, here's a great example of why <laughs> these companies are a bit too powerful. They got. They're in every house, all right? And they went into everybody's algorithm and they said, I don't care what you like. I don't care if you like baking. I don't care if you like uh, Bosch. Not Bosch. What's that show? Kosh? Kosh. I don't know. Bosch. I don't care if you like old episodes of The Big Bang Theory or West Frasier. Wing. You are going to fucking watch Bird Box. You sit there and you watch Bird Box. Hey, hey, did you open Netflix? Guess what? Bird Box. <laughs> and so then they brag about the fact that 45 million people, they basically went into every American home <laughs> and started turning on. <laughs> wow. You know what? I bet, I bet, I bet like, yeah, oh, the uh, like other companies, like, why didn't we think of that? Why didn't HBO think to go into everybody's house and just what, turn what on? Game? Yeah, that. why didn't go into everybody's house and just turn on Game of Thrones? Well, yeah, a lot of people will fucking watch it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Did you watch it? Did you watch it? Yeah, of course I watched it. Netflix made me watch it. <laughs> and, and? I never heard of Bird Box. I'm sitting. And it's you a, live in Los Angeles. There's like a there's like a poster of Bird Box, everywhere. which is the equivalent of them turning it on in my car. <laughs> exactly. But so I'm I'm sitting at home, minding my own business, living my life. It's the holiday break. I open. Up Netflix, and then Bird Box pops up, and I think Sandra Bullock in a in a movie with a blindfold. It seems like action. I'm in. I watched Bird Box before I ever even heard of the thing. That's how they got me. So was it good? I didn't. It's not good. It's a very bad movie. Is it very? It's a mess. Is it bad? Good? Good? Bad? Whatever. It's almost bad. Good. It is a reminder that part of Netflix's business model is traveling around Hollywood with a vacuum cleaner and just sucking up the things that hit the ground. Oh, okay. That's another episode. Thank you for that piece. Have you sold the show to them yet? Because everyone seems to. <laughs> I don't know. i got to put some space between when this comes out and my next, my next <laughs> meeting over there. Over there. Right. Who are you with? All right. So I'm going to ask for a prediction, John. Uh, uh, what is your or your resolution for the year? I want a prediction. Is it Mitt okay. Romney's running for or lost his mind or what? Like, what? what is your prediction? I will make, I will make one. That, guy, that was crazy online, Mitt Romney. Bird yes, man, Mitt, Mitt Romney. You know, 
I think that he tries, right? He's uh, like George. You know, he, they try vaguely trying to Mitt like Romney. Well, there's always there's always what he says, and there's always why he's saying it, and right. it's never the same. Okay, you know, explain it to the people then. Well, I don't, don't know. know. I, I, look, I don't want to be. On the one hand, I am very sick of Republicans, even uh, Republicans with some conscience. Mm-hmm speaking out against Trump without using their power effectively to stop him. That's what I think you could say about Ben Sass. That's what you could say about Jeff Flake. That's what yes. you could say about Bob Corker and many others. Uh, they were never willing to truly use their power as senators. It's almost, as if, about it. it's almost as if that I think one of the kind of surreal aspects of our current political environment is there is this sense that people are kind of afraid of power mm-hmm. as if they don't really deserve it and don't really have it when all you have to do it's to— It's like Mark Zuckerberg. I talked about that with him. He yeah. pushes away power. That it's he like, has. There's this kind of sense that, oh, power is for, for history. It's not mm-hmm. for me. No, you're in it. This is the fight. This is the moment. You have it. You're in the fight. You either use it or you lose it. And they all chose not to use it. The thing, what, what Romney did that is distinct is he set down a marker before he took office mm-hmm. in a way he did not have to. And I think that there is value to that. Now, I'm very interested to see if he follows through with it. Yeah. And follow, now, well, now, or else he's at dinner at the White House, right? Sure. And, and you know, Mitt Romney's track record is not one in which you find political courage on display. Uh, and keep in mind, he is part of the reason Donald Trump was elevated. He accepted his, his endorsement, mm-hmm. even though he was a birther, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't begrudge him for meeting with him at that uh, creepy Trump international <laughs> dinner yeah, because I understand that, that, I mean, I think especially right then, it's like, well, okay. A lot of a, people did. A lot, a lot of people did take a shot. I don't. I actually don't begrudge him that. But his behavior before and since has not been that uh, exemplary. He accepted Donald Trump's endorsement. Uh, he's played his cards, I think, very politically. But let's see what he does. Uh, the thing that makes me least <laughs> enthusiastic is he said that a classic line, which is, I will support Donald Trump's policies when I agree with them, and I will not support them when I don't. Like, that's the standard. Well, hold on a second. Well, look. There, there, you know, if I had a friend and uh, uh, sometimes he brought me dinner and uh, a food I like and sometimes he uh, st- used my vacuum cleaner without permission, I don't know, making up a scenario, mm-hmm. I'd be like, you know what? Thank you for bringing the dinner. It bothers me that you use the vacuum cleaner, but you're still my friend. Mm-hmm. I will support you when you support me and I will, we mm-hmm. will go our different ways. But if I had a friend who, you know, did nice things for me once in a while, but then also uh, uh, randomly punched people on the street mm-hmm. or, you know, committed act of violence or set cars on fire, I wouldn't be this thing of like, no, obviously I support my friend when he does nice <laughs> things, but I don't support him when he does. No, you, hold on. You're yeah. a fucking prick. Yeah, yeah. So this idea that, that like, you, you, you know, Donald Trump. Yeah, they won't a, make choices. Yeah. They won't. Not making choices is what they won't do. You have to choice. put the things you care about on the line to stop Donald Trump. It's if if you're going to go along with him when he supports judges you like or policies you like, and not when he doesn't, you're not actually actually you're actually refusing to use the leverage you have. That's what Bob Corker refused did. That's what that's what Flake did. You're not using your leverage. And so you know, Mitt Romney, use your all leverage. right, use He's your leverage. Let's leverage. see what you do. All right, predictions, prediction, one prediction or your resolution. I will I will say this. I don't know if you would call it a prediction. I'm trying to avoid predictions, but I will say I am looking forward to the Delta between what Bob Mueller knows and what we know, getting smaller. Ah. I think that we have spent a very long time wondering, 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 speculating. We've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of charges. This is a serious investigation that's produced genuine criminal wrongdoing continuously for the past two years. And yet, it always feels like we are... um, trying to fill in the center of the painting right. based on what we're seeing the around the picture. edges. All right, right you, so your prediction is it'll be interesting to see the Mueller thing. The Mueller thing. And what's your resolution for the year? And then I'll let you go. Thank you so much for talking with me. Uh, I would say my main resolution is, in terms of politics, is, mm-hmm. going, is about using social media better. But as part of that, I would like to— but You're not going to do one of those essays about getting off of it because those are tiresome. No. 
If you want to get, get off of Twitter, on. delete the app. If right. you're writing an essay about it, it's because you want people on Twitter to see it, which means you're <laughs> still part of the problem. If you write an essay about how you're getting off of Twitter, yeah. it is because you want likes and retweets on Twitter, mm -hmm. which means you have still not cured yes. your disease. Yes, exactly. But I would say as part of that in, right. in using the social okay, media better, nice. is I would like to be uh, – I would like my offline conversations and my on-microphone conversations to sound more similar. I they see. are – they're they yeah. are not That's that different. So you're reconciling. I would like I would like to be more honest about how no I feel. No Jekyll and Hyde. Kind no, of. I, I you know I think it's a I think it's very easy to be in front of a microphone and criticize Republicans and praise Democrats mm -hmm. and then save my my ire that I hold for Democrats till the mics are off right. and just get that out there. And I would like to make sure that I am being more honest about both my friends and my opponents. So what's your last message to Democrats? That's what I want. What is your message? What should be their resolution? I would say, as we think about 2020, uh, one test I would have is, would you think about this person? When you're choosing your candidate, I would like people to think, this is not someone who I view as electable or unelectable when you don't know anything about that. And I would not like you to think, this is the right person to take on Trump. Mm -hmm. To me, the right candidate is a candidate you would think would make a great president even if Donald Trump never came along. Imagine choosing a Democratic candidate to be president of the United States if you didn't think that they had to stand across from Donald Trump and debate Donald Trump. Don't let Donald Trump in so much into your mind. Right? I, there'll be time for that. I'm not saying we're not going to think about that. I'm not going to say it's not important. But don't worry about electability and don't worry about Donald Trump. Just think about what you so believe. Who is that for you right president. now? It sounds like Warren. I think there's a lot of good options. I sincerely, I'm not, I'm not being coy. I honestly don't know. Um, I think that we're going to have a very strong field. I think we're going to have some I have I have concerns around kind of Washington speak. Not that's not about Warren, that's just generally I want to make sure that we're not in a kind of whatever cl closed off inside DC conversation around policy and politics. I want to know that this that we're talking in a way that reaches outside of that bubble. And I also want I also think one thing about this too is it's on the opposite side of that. It's not just about ignoring Trump as we try to figure out what's best, but also being honest. Yes, Russian hacking. Yes, uh, there, are, there are unique they circumstances. Hack, they, they didn't hack. There are unique circumstances around why we lost in 2016 related to our candidate, related to uh, the failures of the media, the Russians' failures of the media in covering Donald Trump effectively. All of that is true. However, uh, it took genuine cultural and political rot to open the door for someone like Donald Trump. And if we do not have a candidate who recognizes and, and appreciates that rot mm -hmm. and is willing to say that things were not right, that our discourse wasn't up to par, that democratic policies weren't up to par, that there was a huge opening that we made for someone like Donald Trump, even if it had to be a black swan, even if a bunch of other things had to go wrong, you need to be willing to have that part of the conversation. You're talking about reflection, self-reflection. Yeah, it's January. That's what, that's what January is all about. Oh, I'm just, wow. I like this new John. I don't think this was always me. I think you don't, that, you know what? what Maybe what? you look inward and say, why didn't you see me before? <laughs> why is it you learning something you know, new about me as a reflection I, on me and I'm, not you? Because I'm deeply in love with you. Let's just be oh, honest with the situation. It's fine. Dear diary, it's finally happening. <laughs> oh my God, we should start a rumor. It would be so funny. <laughs>
<laughs> Crazier things have happened. Oh, it's in not the happening. Podcast world. <laughs> okay, it's not happening. It's don't even get into that. No, we're not talking about that. I know just what you're referring to. You know, I don't know what I'm. I referring think to. you know what you're referring to. Anyway, hey, John, I'm stopping you right now. John, thanks for put your headphones back on. Thanks for taking a pivot with me today. Scott will be back next week. John, I appreciate it. I appreciate you. All right, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Rebecca Sinanis produces this show. Nishad Kurwa is Vox Media's executive producer of audio. Thanks also to Eric Johnson, and thanks to Crooked Media for letting us use their studios here in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. Join us next week where Scott has a special guest host himself because I will be in Hawaii. Anyway, they'll be here for more of a breakdown of all things tech and business. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Hey, and what? subscribe to my shit. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And subscribe. Where can we find John? Go ahead, John. Go ahead. Pod Save America. Well, Love it so or leave big. it. At John Love it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care Bird how Box. big I am. At Bird Box. <laughs> Basically, go to, go to Netflix, search for Bird Box. That's where you'll find me. <laughs> that was the best thing. Ever. All right. Thank you so much, John. Bye. When you're a business owner, it can sometimes feel like the odds are stacked against you. But QuickBooks knows you never back down. That's why they're always in your corner, making it easier for you to manage your business so you have time to take care of details that matter most. No matter what your version of success is, QuickBooks can give you the smarter business tools to get you there. QuickBooks backing you. Learn more at QuickBooks.com. That's QuickBooks.com. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.